something extraordinary might be about to happen in the next few minutes. I feel, uh, over Christmas I've not been very well, so if I don't look 100%, it's, I, I know I normally look 110%, but. I'm not too well, but I know the Holy Spirit is not unwell today. And when I'm at my weakest, that's sometimes when he's at his strongest. I just want to tell you something that has happened to me or something that's come to pass in the last few few days. I was seeking God for what I should preach about for the new year. What should I talk about? Every service is very important, but somehow there comes an importance, doesn't there, about a new chapter, a new year. And so I really wanted to have something from heaven. And I felt God say to me, or inspire me, or move me, in the direction of talking about Hannah And her desire to have children. From the reading we heard earlier. From 1 Samuel 1. And so I had every plan to bring this message last Sunday. In a kind of an anticipation of the new year. But we uh, had to change everything. We didn't have anyone... uh, um, playing and uh, everything had to be rejigged and uh, so here I am today uh, speaking a message that really I should have preached last week if you see what I mean and you know I'm so so dumb now I'm blaming it on my illness but it only occurred to me two days ago that the message that I have ended up here today bringing to you is about the dedication of a child called Samuel. And that is not contrived at all. The reason I'm preaching on this has nothing to do, in fact, Tim will know, that we weren't even planning to have this today. It got moved around. And my message got moved around too. Anyway, that's a long way around of me telling you that I think the word of God is about to be released to many people's lives here today. And some of you are not even really normally here, but I think God's going to talk to you. And here I am at my weakest, and that excites me even more. I want to talk about the call of destiny. I want to talk for a few minutes, and, and I don't want to be long, because I want to give us time right at the end for the Holy Spirit's power and presence to be released here to touch your life. I want to talk about destiny. And I'm going to use the symbol of this story, Hannah's desire for a baby if you like, in my, the way I'm going to preach this, Hannah is you, Samuel is your destiny. 
and I hope this will all make sense maybe a bit more in a minute. I want to define destiny. Divine destiny is to walk in the planned will of God for your life. Some people have a destiny that God never intended for them. The reason why we are to pray, let thy will be done, is because the will of God is not done by default. It is not. Everything that happens is not what God wants. It's not fate. It's not what will be, will be. That's not a biblical idea. That's not a Bible idea. The will of God is not, is not universally done. If something happens in your life, it doesn't mean that was God's will for you. And so what I want to talk about when I'm speaking about destiny is not in the sense of speaking about fate. Oh, it was my destiny for this to happen. Well, maybe it was, maybe it wasn't. In terms of what God had, had planned. It's not the destiny of God. It's not the planned will of God for a man to murder another man. It's not the planned will of God for a marriage to break up in divorce. That's not the planned will of God. It may be where we're at, but it may not be what God intended. So, Divine destiny is to walk in the planned will of God for your life. In this passage we learn, speaking about Hannah and Samuel, that we won't be really happy unless we're walking in that destiny. Do you remember, there's, this, uh, there's Hannah and Jane called her Penina. Jane lived in Israel for many years and knew a Penina. I'm going, love, it's Penaniah. She said, well, I lived in Israel. I had a friend called Penina. I said, Penina, it sounds like a pasta dish. It's Penina. Okay, it's Penina. I'm going to call her Penny. Penny and Hannah. One had children, the other didn't have children. And Hannah was upset and the husband said, and those of us who are here today who are husbands, we can sympathize maybe with this. When the husband said, look love, I know you haven't got a baby, but aren't I enough? That's what he says, isn't it? That's what he says. Verse 8. Aren't I enough? I know you haven't got a baby, but you've got me. And uh, she looked at him like, yeah, sure. Because it wasn't enough. Uh, He was good. He was a good guy. But... But it wasn't enough. And your life, let me tell you, it's not going to be enough unless you're walking in the will of God. You can actually come into a fortune of money and you, you can still die miserable and drunk. You can actually have the best family, actually. And that's a rarity, but you could be in a wonderful family. But if you're not in the will of God, you're going to be pretty miserable. Something's going to be missing from your life. Something's going to be missing. 
it won't be enough. So that's the first thing we learn about destiny. That in fact, unless you are in it, something always feels wrong. Something's always wrong. And today, if you don't know Christ for yourself, you need to find him. And you may need to seek him. He may not come knocking on your door. You have to go knocking on his door in order to be fulfilled. So the first thing is that unless we are in the will of God, we're actually going to be thoroughly miserable. That's why people who backslide run into the world again thinking this is going to make me happy and they're never happy. They have... They have an hour or two of pleasure. But like the prodigal, they're left depressed. Because it doesn't work. The the bright lights don't light you up. The flashy woman or man cannot press your buttons. The gold and the silver cannot satisfy. Unless you're in the will of God, you're going to be miserable. The other thing we learned just at the beginning here is that actually this wonderful thing called the will of God is for everybody. Penny had found fulfillment in having a son. (coughs) And we learned that it was it was the will of God for Hannah also to have a son. And so this sense of, I am walking in the ways of God. I have found my purpose in life. And I'm going to define some of this now. It is for you. It's not just for someone else. It is for you. And you'll find people around you and they may seem to be, they may seem to have got it all together. They may seem to be under the blessing of God and you feel, well, I am not. Why aren't I like that woman? Or why aren't I like that man? Why haven't I got what that woman has got? Why why don't I have what that man has got? They they seem to be under the unction, the anointing of the Holy Spirit. They seem to be in the will of God for their life. They've got what I want. But I don't have it. Maybe God doesn't have a plan for me. We discover, sure he does. I want to say five very, very quick things about the will of God that I hope will help you. I've called it destiny, just, for the, just to be simpler. But we mean the will of God, the, the plan of God. Number one, destiny is birthed in intense prayer. We read in the chapter, 1 Samuel 1, the word of God says that Hannah was praying. In bitterness of soul, Hannah wept much and prayed to the Lord. That's how it began. That's how it began. That's not how it finished. But that's how it began. Oh God, I must 
have my destiny. Oh God, I must find what you have for me. I don't want an ordinary life. I had a prayer that I used to pray when I was a youth leader. Can you imagine me being a youth leader? Neither could I. But I remember they all showed up and wanted to play basketball and, and it just never been my gift, that. And uh, all showed up, when are we going to play snooker? We're not playing no snooker. We're going to pray. I don't know, I don't know, how to play. I don't know anything else. Why didn't they invent the we back in those days? But I remember laying hands upon those young lives and I used to pray a prayer all the time. Not because I couldn't think of anything else to pray, but because I felt it was the right prayer. I would say, Lord, ruin this person for the ordinary. Ruin them. Everyone's looking at me. Ruin him? But I, we, knew, we know what I mean. That the, this person, not an ordinary life. Not an ordinary life. May they be ruined. For the ordinary. And it begins in prayer. There are times, friends, when the only time we ever pray is when we need something. Oh God, I need you to heal me. I I need some money. Oh, I need a parking bay. But hear the word of the Lord today. God wants you to go back into your prayer room like you used to go. And pray that his will will be done. There's someone here, and you used to pray like that when life was uncertain. But now you're in a flow of something. Maybe you're in, now you're married, or now you're in work, or now you're in a certain, in a situation. And you stopped praying, may your will be done. Because you thought, now I've, you know, this is it. I've arrived. No. There's more. There's more. So destiny begins with prayer. If we will not pray, then then we shall not expect to receive. If you do not ask, you do not receive. The Bible says, ye have not, because you ask not. Do not mistake the will of God for fate. It is not bound to happen. It comes to you as you pray it in your direction. And I could spend a lot more time on that. Number two, destiny is received in faith. After the woman had prayed, after Hannah had prayed, the priest said to her, well, may the God of Israel grant you what you want. And it says that after that, she, she and her husband Worshipped the Lord. It's like that anguish, that sense of, uh, 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 is it going to happen, is it not, was taken away from her. There's nothing worse in a human soul than a sense of, is it going to go this way or that? How am I going to, oh, I'm so confused. I don't know if it's this or this or this. Is this going to happen? Is that going to happen? But when the man of God said to her, may God grant you your uh, request. He didn't prophesy. He didn't give her a word. He didn't have gifts of the Spirit in abundance. He simply said to her, if you have asked God for it, then you should expect it. 
And as he said that to her, I t- something happened in the Holy Spirit. And she began to worship the Lord because she began to say the uncertainty is now over. I don't see it yet. I don't feel it yet. I'm not remotely even happy yet. But I'm going to worship God and say, Lord, I trust you. That's what faith is. To say, I don't see it yet. I don't feel it yet. I haven't got it yet. But I put my trust in God. If he says he's got to do it, that's good enough for me. Number three, destiny leads to action. I know this is a Sunday morning service. But just the guy going, you're going to have a baby, was not enough, was it? There are certain... uh, biological uh, um, she had to get with her husband for a while can you say amen you going to make me spell it out <laughs> she was not the virgin Hannah with a baby that, that was Mary a little bit later on but in order to have her destiny come to pass she had to take some action She had to take some action. Many years ago, listen to me today. Many years ago, someone asked me this question. They said, what is the difference between a dream and a fantasy? What's the difference between a dream and a fantasy? The answer is that a fantasy is something that's never, ever going to come true. It's never going to come true. A dream may come true, but a fantasy will never come true. In the body of Christ, there are people who say they have a dream. They have a, a, I don't mean a dream at night, you know, dreaming about things. I mean, they have a goal. They have a sense, God wants me to go in this direction. But do you know what? Listen, 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 listen. Unless you change your life so that it is in accordance with the dream, it's a fantasy. It will never come to pass. You have to do something. You have to do something. You have to pray about it. Yes, number one. You have to thank God for it. Yes, number two. But number three, something is also required of you. Because we do not believe in fate. We believe in action. If God speaks to you and says, you are going to be my apostle, To Japan. Wow. We'll all celebrate with you. We'll sing about that. We'll come and talk about it every week. Hallelujah. You're going to be the apostle to Japan. But sooner or later, someone's going to say to you, do you speak any Japanese? 
You're going to go, no. We're going to go, don't you think you ought to go to a night class and learn it? Oh, I never thought of that. Action. Action. You believe God has spoken into your life? If you really believe it, you should take action on it. Do something about it. It's not coming to you. You go to it. Hannah didn't expect to have a virgin birth. She knew she had to take some action to have that baby. And we had to take some action to have a baby. We won't impact the city of Cambridge by sitting in here. We don't, we're going to have four nights this week fasting and praying. I encourage you, everyone, come. It's not going to entertain anyone. We're going to come as serious believers. We're going to pray. We're going to ask God to move in our city, move in our church. But uh, there's more to it than that. Because then we have to take some action. Then we have to do something as well as praying. If we don't, we're living in a fantasy world. A fantasy world where nothing's really changing. And we can talk about having, oh, I feel a breakthrough and I I feel this and I feel that. But unless something is tangibly changing, then really there's not much going on. You can take authority over all the devils and demons over Cambridge, all that you like. Unless you go and share your faith at work, you're not serving the Lord. Taking authority over this and that. I tell you, most of the people who do that, they haven't even taken authority over the washing up. And I should know. No, action. If you don't take action, then it's just a fantasy. It's just a dream. It's just, I wonder if... Someone's going to do it. No, take action. Number four. Destiny will look like you and God. What on earth do I mean by that? Do you know, this concept is actually the most liberating thing maybe I I ever heard. Or at least in recent years. Do you know what it's like to go around... When a baby is born, and Tim and Helen will know this of recent uh, months, but, uh, but if you've had a baby or if you've just visited a baby, you know what happens. People stand there and go, oh, doesn't he look like his dad? Particularly when his hair is all crazy. And someone else will say, oh, no, 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 he doesn't look like his dad. He looks like his mum. And then uh, five years later, they bump into them again. And the, other, and the first person says, oh, now, yeah, he really does look like his mum. To which the other guy says, no, now he really looks like his dad. A baby should look like mum and dad. And as they get older, they look a bit more like mum. Sometimes they look a bit more like dad. It was so embarrassing for me to, uh, when I uh, introduced my parents to Jane, 
you know, not so long ago, five years ago. I thought, I'm embarrassed. Because I know that she'll look at my mum and dad and go, Oh, look, you look like your dad. And then I turned in profile. Oh, you look like your mum. As the will of God unfolds in your life, it's not just going to look like God. It's also going to look like you. It's going to look like you. Whatever ministry God calls you into looks like God. Let's hope so. Otherwise, it's not a great ministry. It should look like God. As you serve him, there should be an overwhelming sense of God. It looks like God. This is the work of God. But it will also look a bit like you. Some of the passions that God put in you when you were young begin to shine in later life. Your personality comes through. I remember many years ago, three or four years ago probably now, I did a whole series of signs and wonders meetings in this part of the world, East Anglia. And I wanted, like, uh, the pastors to write a little line or two to say whether they enjoyed it and would recommend it. So I came, I did all these meetings, and then I emailed all the pastors and said, okay, can you give me, what would you call it? Um, I guess you'd call it an endorsement, you know. Can you just say what you thought of it, would you recommend it to, to everyone else? And in these meetings, we'd seen the power of God. You know, lots of people were cured, miraculously healed. It was amazing. And so I sent out this, it wasn't like a questionnaire, because it was on the internet, it was an email, but like a questionnaire. And I was waiting for all these replies to come back from the pastor saying, oh wow, it was fantastic, because... Uh, this lady can now hear and this person had agoraphobia and was healed and, and this person had cancer and now they don't. And, and I was expecting all these replies. So when the replies came back, I was so excited and I went through them and all they said was, boy, it was funny. <laughs> so it's funny. I really enjoyed it because it was funny. Oh, well, I won't be using that one. Okay, what's this one here? Oh, we've never seen the healing ministry operated in such a comical way. Oh, I don't want that one. What's this one here? Oh, with, with great humor. I thought, what's going on? Doesn't anyone remember the fact that there were miracles? And then it dawned on me. What had gone on looked like God. And it looked like me. A baby looks like mum and dad. And your ministry, it should look a bit like you. Because God's using you. There couldn't have been two different people than the Apostle Paul and the Apostle John. You only have to read their letters to work that out. Paul was strict and tough and and John was loving and kind. And what's happening? God's using them. In different ways. Destiny is supposed to look 
a bit like you. Not the sinful you. Not the selfish you. Not the proud you. Heaven forbid. But it's supposed to look a bit like you. And God. And God. God's using you. And finally, true divine destiny blesses others. Just, just finally, Hannah told God, Lord, if you will give me this boy, I'll give him to you. She told God that. Verse 11. And then we come to verse 28. Where the end of the chapter and it says, Now I give him to the Lord. For his whole life he shall be given over to the Lord. And he, that Samuel, he, he worshipped the Lord there. Finally. We read. That the true destiny of God. In Hannah's life was to be a blessing to other people. It is all about others. If what you believe God has shown you that you should do is not about helping others, you did not hear it from the God of the Bible. You did not. Hannah was blessed to have a son. And when we serve God, we are blessed. And we are allowed to enjoy it. I'm not suggesting anything other than that. But the purpose of you hooking up with the will of God is not so that you can be blessed, at least not only primarily, it's so that you can be a blessing to others. God said to Abraham, I will bless you and I will what? Make you a blessing. When Jesus stood in the garden of Gethsemane and connected himself completely, handcuffed himself to the absolute will of God, it was for the salvation of other people. Others. Others. It was for others that God had brought Hannah into blessing. <laughs> the other day, I've been, I've not been so well, I've been lying in bed with an iPod touch. I know what everyone on Facebook has been doing. I, do, I know the prices of every television in every sale in Europe. I've just been sat there ill, just reading. And I looked uh, 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 on uh, New Year's Eve or New Year's Day, and it said something like, Happy New Year, and in 2010, may all your dreams come true. What a lovely thing to say. And, but I remember looking at it, and I thought, I, I know that's meant with a good heart. It's not a criticism. I'm not going to turn into a Pharisee. Or a one for deep pedantry. But it said this. May all your dreams come true. And I thought this. I thought actually no no. What really it should say is this. 
in 2010, make the dreams of others come true. Now, I don't expect someone to sit and type that, but that's what hit my spirit. When God blesses you, you become a blessing. You become a blessing. Hannah cried to God, and you'll find if you just go a couple of chapters into this book, Samuel became the prophet to the entire country. It was for others, for others, for others. I was listening to the radio a little while ago, and a wonderful uh, bit of research done, I think in Germany, and I think at a university where they tried to discover, I, I finish with this, they tried to discover what is it that actually makes people happy? What is it? What's the secret of happiness? And I led, I'm led to believe this was a German university did this. I could be wrong. There's a Radio 4 program going into my car somewhere on the A14. And I remember... They did a whole load of research and they discovered this, that the people who were the most happiest in life were the people who spent their lives on other people. Spent their lives on other people. Those who gave themselves to other people, they were happy. People who hoarded and kept things for themselves and saw only their own advancement, they were among the most miserable of people. And therefore, religious people scored quite highly on the happiness chart, believe it or not. If you look at your neighbor, you'll think that can't be true. But that's what it said. Because generally, religious people are at least among the group who gave themselves to others. I don't know how much money that university spent on that research. But we could have bought them a fairly inexpensive Bible and opened it up to the words in red. It is more blessed to give than to receive. Well, if you didn't believe it before, it's now been proven. It is more blessed to give than to receive. That's a scientific fact now. According to their research anyway. When you're in the will of God, other people will benefit. Other people will benefit. So the will of God, it starts with prayer. Delay was not denial. She didn't get it at first. She prayed. She hadn't seen it. But she kept praying for years. Trusting God. She worshipped him. Putting her faith in the fact that he had heard her cry. It led her to action. She wasn't going to live in a fantasy world. She knew that in order for her dream to come true, she had to change her life. If you want to serve God, you need to, your character has to change. Your time commitments, they must change. There is a price to pay action. Fourthly, when this baby comes, it's going to look like God. You'll rejoice. It'll also look like you. 
it looked like you had your hand involved in it somehow. And that's not taking the glory from God. Not one bit. But it will look like you as well as God. And finally, it will be a blessing to other people. Let's all stand in the presence of the Lord.